Well, how you doing this morning, church body, church family? Do we have any eyes out there? Anybody have some ears? Anybody want to be a hand or a foot? You're like, what are you talking about? Well, we all make up the body of Christ, don't we? Like, right? So not everybody's perfect. I don't know. I don't, I'm not perfect. I hope that you're ready to, to study. If you're a guest with us, it's great to have Matt and Anna here with us. We don't get a chance to... Uh, embarrass Anna that much, so I'm trying to say her name as often as I can. So, <laughs> so then she can uh, speak with Kaylee, and and they can be mad together because I tease Kaylee all the time. It's a joy to be together as a family. The beautiful thing about family is we get to pester each other, we get to enjoy each other, we get to spur on one another. We're not all perfect. And that is the joy of being together is as we get to help one another, support one another, build up one another. We get to be together. And that's a good thing. If you're with us as guests, we've been studying and we're in the the book of Ecclesiastes and in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And we've been focusing on the vain problems in life. And the more that Solomon worked, and the harder he worked, the more vain he saw that all the things that he worked for, all of his possessions, all the things that he experienced, all of it was just vanity. It was like grasping after the wind. It's the proverbial playing tag with the wind. It just, you never will win. You can't tag it, right? It just slaps you upside the face, and you get cold, and and miserable and sometimes when we pursue things in the world we find that we just become more and more miserable and that's Solomon's point and if you read through Ecclesiastes and you think this is depressing well that's Solomon's point life without God is depressing and so that's where we're at and as we look at these problems as it continues this thought of life is just vanity without God he comes up with the idea of loneliness and he talks about it and we're going to go to that in a second. Would you pray with me as we ask God to bless us as we read Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and as we look at this topic that many times is talked about at weddings but it's not just for weddings, it's for all of us as a church family in our life with Christ. So let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would honor us Um, Lord, with your wisdom, Lord, that we might be able to honor you with our lives in living out that wisdom. Lord, we need your wisdom. We need your spirit to teach us. Lord, I pray that you help me to be simply a conduit to share your word, not to proclaim my word, but just to simply share your word this morning in the sharing of your word that we might hear it and respond to your living word that we might submit to you and honor you that we might be your image bearers proclaiming your holiness not ours because lord we are not good but lord you are good and may we lord see that in the text today and how you have created us and created the body of Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that we would glean and rejoice from your word today because our hearts have met with you and not with the busyness that is going on around us in the world. So, Lord, we, our goal is to glorify you, to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 And in verse uh, 7 through 12, it reads this, And again, I saw the vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, no other either son or brother, yet there is no end to his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, For whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has 
no other to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and three cord is not quickly broken. Better was a poor and wise youth than old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. Well, as we look at this section, as he continues to talk about the toil in which we live in this world, he brings about this idea of loneliness, that the harder that someone toils, and, and then he realizes that he doesn't really have anybody to share it with when he's alone. And sometimes the reality is, is the harder you work, the more you alienate the people you are around you. And you can wake up one day and realize that you're just alone. This is a real, very real problem. And it's a vain problem that people have tried to overcome. And they feel like the harder they toil, the harder they work, the more people they can gather around them. The, really, the idea is, is, but he gets, it's amazing as he moves from a very hard thing that we see right now as Many of us have, have lived a life of loneliness through the pandemic. If the body that's, that's watching us through the live stream and people that are at home and people that haven't been getting out and they realize that being alone is not a thing that we enjoy. Loneliness is a very real issue. Solitude. And Solomon is saying that we can work so hard in life and yet the one that is lonely doesn't really have anything. And the reality is, is without God in our life, we really are alone. You may have remember Robinson Crusoe telling the story about the obstinate Englishman who ignored his father's advice. This father desired desperately, wanted his son to be a preacher. And... Robinson Crusoe told the story, and of course we know the story about the man who goes on to find great riches as he goes on to the new world and he suffers shipwreck and he is alone on a desert island or on a, I don't know, a deserted island. There we go, not desert. And he's alone. And he builds a house and he builds a boat and he builds all this stuff and he actually has enough to survive, and he's rescued. But the reality was, is he was living in this beautiful place, and he had all the things he needed to survive, but yet, in all of this, he was unhappy. It was not the climate, the food. It wasn't all the stuff that he found that was unhappy. Rather, it was the fact that he was alone, he was single. He was desperate to have conversation with somebody besides Wilson. Right? If you watch the Tom Hanks movie, every time I see a volleyball, I just look for the hand. <laughs> the island himself was not horrible. It was the solitude. The story speaks about the basic human desire, the basic human need for community, for partnership. We aren't built to be alone. God didn't give that in our DNA. In fact, if you go to Genesis 1, you'll notice in Genesis 1, seven times in the story of creation, as God created everything, He said it was good. Is quite amazing. And then it follows in Genesis chapter 2. Do you notice Genesis chapter 2, he creates man, and man goes out and he names all the animals. Adam discovers that he is alone, not like any other. And God said, this is not good for man to be alone, so he created him woman. There's... This idea that we were designed to be together in partnership. And as we look at this idea of loneliness, we see 
some very neat and interesting thing, and that is everybody in church needs partnership and community. In our text that Rob beautifully described and read and gave to us this morning, you'll, you'll notice that he gave us all to be together as a body. What's interesting in all of Romans, it describes our, the gospel, it describes the teaching about how we come to the Lord, that we need a Savior, that Jesus did all the things that we could not do, that we cannot live this perfect life, and we need Jesus to be united together with God, to become part of the body. But then he describes how that body and what it looks like. What does our gospel do for us in our daily living? And he first starts out with, after we submit and we lay our life down and we submit to God as a living sacrifice, he then says, this is how we ought to think about each other in the body. What's interesting is is he gets to verse 9 and he says, let love be genuine. Let it be genuine. Let the way we think about each other be genuine. Verse 10, he says, love one another with brotherly affection. Maybe your translation says be devoted to. And that's actually a, a better word to be devoted because the word love here is not agape. It's phileo, but it's not just phileo. It's it's phileo storge or storgo, and, it, and it's two words put together. And it means to, to be attached or sealed by nature and to be sealed by blood, to have, actually it's describing to love one another because we have by blood family ties. Why are we supposed to devote ourselves to one another Because we've been bought by the precious blood of Christ. We have family ties through the blood of Christ. Everybody should be partnered together in community. We were created for that. When God created, he said, let us create man in our own image. And they had a relationship together before sin And so Christ enters the picture and becomes the perfect sacrifice to restore that fellowship and to create this partnership and community together. Life under the sun, Solomon's bringing out the point that we can work hard and we can pursue all of life, but many times it leads to just loneliness. And he says that it's better to be together, to be devoted to one another for a different reason. When we pursue God and we come to God based on the gift of Christ, we can have community. We have an attachment to each other. You know what the secret to survival is? It's partnership. If you look at the text back in Ecclesiastes and you turn back In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, you'll notice he says that one person that doesn't have another is not good. Not having someone to share with is not good. And then he goes on, two are better. And then he ends in verse 12 that three is the best of all. You know what the one, two, three punch? Solomon's mathematical formula for partnership. One is not good. Two is better. But three is best. One theologian put it this way. He said, the buddy system is not just for school. You know the buddy system, right? Two, you know, go, uh, two goes to the, the principal's office. Two always go to the bathroom. Two always, you know, always stay together. You go on field trips. You know, I love watching the preschool next door. When they go on the field trip, I, I don't know where they're going. I've never followed them. But they always go through the parking lot and you have one teacher in the front and you have one teacher in the back and they're all holding hands. But now, you know, because of COVID, they have the rope. They just hold onto the rope every four or five feet. And they walk down and they're like these little ducklings walking in a row together. It's safer to be together. The theologian says, buddy system is not just for 
school trips and for swimming in the ocean. It is God's plan for our life and service to Him. It, it has been this way since the very beginning, since God created Adam. We need partnership. We need community. God created us to have this. When we need a partner and community when it comes to four areas in our life that the text brings out today, and that is when working, when walking, when warming ourselves in our life, and during warfare. The text, Solomon talks about working and walking together and being warm and dealing with opposition or warfare. Four W's. When we go through life, being alone while we're working or walking or warming ourselves or during warfare is not good. It's vain. The first thing there we see is working, and that is in verse 9. He says, a person that toils and works, and all he has is just doing it for himself. It's vanity. Two can get more done. Two makes the job easier. Unless you're with Raul and I downstairs, it, it may be easier to get the job done together, but it usually takes longer, ask his wife. <laughs> because we have too much fun talking together. But we spur each other on to get the work done, doing stuff we normally wouldn't do, like sticking our heads through an attic and finding bare live wires in the attic. That's crazy. There's things that you wouldn't do normally unless you have somebody to bury yourself up. It's amazing. My, my wife looks forward to my son's days off because I can go out and start a project, but I rarely ever finish it. But when I have Jared to work alongside me, we usually get more things done. Two are better, he says. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Relationship grows out of shared work, whether it's yard work, whether it's missions trips work, whether it's service projects, or whether it's just local serving one another in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's amazing that God uses Romans 12 to talk about the body. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul, Paul is so angry at the church because They've made the church this hierarchy about who's the best in the church. They've made it a game to see who's better at things. And they, they would say, well, I have this gift and I'm better than you. And, you, and they, they've, who's richer and who's poor and the richer, they came to the party earlier because they could bring more and, and they would sit in the front and they would, instead of doing communion and, and worshiping the Lord and talking about the gospel, they were partying instead. And they were having this hierarchy of who's more important. And we get to Romans 12, and he says in verse 14, it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but many. You know, when you walk through the door of the church and you, you're not coming to a building, but you're coming to come together to worship God as the body. When you come through the door to worship God, you aren't a complete body. But that's the problem. Many times we come in and we, we think that we're complete and so we don't need anybody else. But that's not the case. When you came through the door, there were some eyes that came through the door. There were some ears that came through the door. There was some hair that came through the door for the rest of us that is losing ours. There was some of us that are hands and feet and shoulders, right? I have really strong hands. But when I hurt, when I hurt my shoulder, it doesn't do really good to have strong hands because I can't really lift anything. I was working out with Donald and uh, I've been working out with him. He's been training me to help strengthen my back. So when I do have back surgery, I'll be able to overcome that a lot easier. And, and the doctors are happy that I'm doing that. And, but I was, I was working out and I was working on my arms. And it was amazing how I was doing my arm workout wrong. 
And because I was doing it wrong, I hurt my elbow. And it was crazy because I just this little tendon in my elbow, because I was doing something incorrect and I was, I was trying to use more muscle rather than just doing it correctly and it hurt the elbow. And now I can't lift hardly as much as I normally could because I did something wrong. I was trying too hard. Listen to what he says here. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, says in verse 18, it says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chooses. God arranges all of us according to as he chooses. He gives us all our abilities, our gifts, our talents as he chooses to be a part of the body. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seems to be weaker are indispensable. Man, I sure wish my elbows didn't hurt. I could do a whole lot more. But my elbows are not insignificant. They're important. They're useful. My shoulder is important. My elbows are important. Our hips are important. Our knees are important. The ligaments that attach our muscles are important. Verse 23, it says, And on those parts of the body where we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has no not, has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We are all important. We need to partner together. That's what makes the body function. There, it, it's not good to be alone. When working in life and working in the body of Christ, we need each other. We have to have partners. Proverbs 27, 17 as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. Two is better. Partnering, community is better. So you need to ask ourselves this question. Who are you currently working with or serving with? He not only said working together is better, but walking together is better. A friend can help you up. Right? How many of you are walking challenged? Yeah, I, I was very upset as I saw people making fun of, of President Biden this week for tripping up the stairs. I do that every week. Like, I was like, I, I said, poor guy. I mean, how, how many of you have gone, I mean, if you had, don't fly a lot, that's probably not been you. But I lived in Alaska, and we had to walk upstairs to the airplane all the time because the airports were always small. You go out here to Bellingham. If you fly out of Bellingham, you have to walk up the stairs. You know what it's like for everybody to be in front of you and everybody to be behind you waiting for you to get up the stairs only to fall. And, right? and then I've had the distinction of falling and then sliding down the stairs. It's embarrassing. Praise the Lord, I didn't have the whole United States watching me. The, most, the, most, uh, the, the thing that I had compassion with was I was reading this passage all week and I watched him and nobody offered to help him. Right? He was alone on an island and yet he got up and he smiled and waved. <laughs> I don't agree with a lot of his policies, but you can still have compassion on someone. The beauty of this is we were, it's not good for us to be alone. We need to partner in community because as we walk, then we have somebody to help us up. 
friends, partners, church members pick up one another in the time of trouble. In verse 10, he says, For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and does not have another to lift him up. That's the idea behind Galatians chapter 6. If you read Galatians chapter 5, it says that we're supposed to walk according to the Spirit. We need to be led by God's Spirit, loving one another, helping one another, supporting one another as God has loved you. Galatians 6 1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. That means to come up underneath and pick somebody up. You know the whole idea of being a body of Christ is so that way people notice when you struggle. We are supposed to be noticed. So then that way, we, God didn't want us to be unnoticed and fall and not for somebody to help us. And so many times we walk into church and we want nobody to notice. We don't want to be, we don't want partners. We don't want communities and we just are alone. And then when we struggle, we get upset that we're struggling and we get upset if somebody notices that we're struggling. But the glory is, is that when we are working together and we see somebody that's struggling, we say, oh, let me help and come up so that way you can succeed because if you succeed, I succeed. There's a difference, right? Between judging and bearing up somebody's burdens. God's word judges us and we see when we struggle. When we're not part, a partner and part of the body of Christ being a community together, we have no one to help us to pick, be picked up. We need. But here's the question, church. Who are you currently encouraging, investing in, and holding up? We need to be about coming up under people and encouraging them. And as you are encouraging somebody else, are you willing? Here's the kicker. Are you willing for somebody? Are you humble enough to say, I need help? Church, here's the real question. If somebody says, I'm struggling and I need help, are you willing to encourage and build up the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Christ, his body, are you willing to come up and help support? Or are you going to be quick to criticize and say, oh, I thought they were godly. And then like, oh, look at them, they're horrible. Look at how we start talking about that. Or are you going to go talk with them? How can I help you? That's walking together in community. That's why it says, by the way, do you see the command here in, in Galatians 1, 6, 1? Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Do you know sin is just pride? Transgression, when we transgress against the Lord, it's pride saying that I'm better and I know better and I'm going to do what I want. That's why we struggle, because we don't submit to God. And we say, I'm going to just do whatever I want. Well, you know what? When we criticize people, we're sinning just like they're sinning. And he says, pray so that way you don't criticize, but you care for one another. Far too long, we live in America, the land of the lonely. <laughs> We cultivate loneliness in our culture. I, we take pride in being independent and alone, and I can do it, right? We have the declaration of independence. But God created us to be a body, to come together, to support and help one another. In these verses that we've been reading so far, I've, I've, I've learned a number of truths about our community 
One being relationships are extremely valuable. Not only are they extremely valuable, but we need to trust one another, love one another. Far too many times somebody bears their soul in church only to be ridiculed and pushed out instead of help them to succeed. The other thing I learned is this real partnership in the church body shares their feelings. When we really cultivate true partnership and true community, we share our feelings. And it's okay when we're hurt or when we're hurting others or when I'm struggling in sin. We want to be accountable. Real partnership in the body, in the church body, needs accountability, needs support. Accountability is not a sheriff pointing fingers with their six guns, right? Real accountability is, let me support you so that way you can walk together as a body. The other thing that I learned is is real partnership in the church body needs to learn from one another. Far too many times we don't realize that there are many others with the same struggles in the body. And God has blessed them and helped them and others have come alongside and, and you don't know that and how God has blessed them and, and that we are not learning from one another as God has taught them. Who are you currently encouraging investing in and are you letting others invest in you. The third thing is this, is that we see is that in, we, in the need for partnership and community, it comes in warmth. When it comes to warmth, we can't be alone. We need more. The best, the best example I've seen recently is this, during the winter when all of our pigs were born, all our piglets, Man, I don't know how they survive. Have you ever gone into, into a pig pen with a bunch of piglets? I mean, we had 17 born, and they just slept all in this ball on top of each other. You stick your hand in that pile of pigs, it is not cold. It was 20 degrees outside, and there's frost in our shop. But you go into that pig pen, as soon as you open the door to the pig pen... You feel this heat, and you put your hand in there, and it's like the pigs are sweating. Warmth. We need warmth. Maybe you're living life, and you just say you feel alone, and you feel cold in life. You need community and partnership. Verse 11 in our text, he says again, if two lie together, they keep warm. And the reality was is that Solomon wasn't talking about marriage. He was just talking about in life. Believe it or not, I've been in, I've been in Jerusalem when it snowed. I've woken up to snow and ice in the morning in Jerusalem. And I was like, what in the world happened? It was 70 degrees the day before. Welcome to a, a high desert experience. Solomon was talking about the very fact that, I mean, they didn't have the insulation, the, the direct, you know, heat pumps and direct heating and, you know, they didn't have all of that stuff. What they had was bodies. You, you laid together to keep warm. You brought all your animals into your house to keep warm, right? The palaces had animals in the palace to help keep it Warm. I, now, kids, don't go home and say, Pastor said. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying, kids. No horses, pigs, or if my kids were here, my twins were here, no ducks and chickens. We keep finding ducks and chickens walking into the house with my, my little Jaden. And uh, we, Kelsey has gotten a few ducks and chickens into her bed crazy kid for me it's i i i don't like i hate feet i 
Don't touch my feet. I will not touch yours. Don't worry. I just, feet, I think, are gross. And uh, I just, you don't touch feet. My poor wife. I, I, I love paying for pedicures. <laughs> I, I just don't like to touch feet. But her, and her feet are always ice cold. But you know what? The beautiful thing is if I just let her feet touch me just for a little bit, they warm up and then I, I guarantee they'll stay to her side of the bed the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is, but I just, uh, but they warm up. And I've learned to suffer for those few minutes to love her. <laughs> to sacrifice. You've heard of two coals, right? The two coals analogy. You try to light one coal and you put it by itself, eventually it goes out. You take two coals and you light them and you put them together and it'll eventually they keep each other warm. And it keeps the fire going. You remove that coal and eventually they both go out. Jesus talks about in the last days. He says this, he says in Matthew 24, 12, he says in the last days because of lawlessness, will inc- lawlessness and sin will increase. He said most people's love will grow cold. Back in our text in, in, that, that, in the scripture that Rob read to us in Romans chapter 12, In verse 11, it says, do not be slothful in zeal. The word literally means to create, to have a fire burning within you. Be devoted with one another, so that way you do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in the Spirit serving the Lord. We're supposed to spur on one another towards love and good deeds. Hebrews chapter 12, or Hebrews uh, twenty or ten, verse twenty-four. So the question is, who are you currently showing God's love to? Are you spurring each other on? Are you helping keep each other warm to our good because we stay warm? The fire, the zeal of, for the love of the Lord will stay lit when we're together. God didn't design the body to be. Alone, He decided the body to be together. In fact, because of that, we need the body when it comes to warfare. There are no Rambos in this audience. Uh, Rambos, I, I love the idea of running out there, you know, this big, burly, short guy, because Rambo's really short, but... <laughs> or there are no Tom Cruises in life. You know, that fulfill the impossible mission. There's only Christ. He filled the impossible mission. Right? We need a team. We need a community. We need a partner in warfare. Look at verse 12 in Ecclesiastes. He says, And although a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. Guys, the word there, prevail, is talking about struggle, to agonize. When we agonize against things of this world and when we agonize against someone else, we, we might prevail in that struggle. May, we might not. That's the Hebrew word there. It means you might or you might not. We need, to, we need partnership. We need community because of working, walking, warming. And in warfare, it's important because in community, we can stand. That was the idea in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. He says, He gave us the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints. When, when Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus, he says, look, I gave these, these men to teach and to train you to do the work of the ministry together. For the building up of the body of Christ. Our community is about building each other up. All of you, God has given the leaders of the church to build you up so that way you can do the work of the body. 
It says in verse 13, until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge in the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Until we measure up to who Christ is, to His image. But look at verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Ephesians 6, there's a, you know, it's saying that the evil one goes around his, with his deceitful schemes, so put on the full armor of God. Right? But he built up the body so that way we, won't, we can withstand the deceitful schemes of the world. Another theologian put it this way. He says, fellowship is more than a cup of coffee. I almost disagreed right there. <laughs> and then I read the rest and it says, after the service, and it's kind of funny, I have a coffee stain right there. <laughs> I did not plan that. Fellowship is more than a... I know, I'm speaking heresy to some of us, but sharing a cup of coffee after the service, it's sharing life together. Sharing sorrows, sharing fears, sharing pain, so that way we can fight the good fight of the faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you currently bearing someone else's burdens? Are you coming up and are we fortifying the body of Christ to stand against the evil schemes? God made us that way. As we look at this text, it's so amazing to see and you can spiritualize it and you can say, yeah, it's, you know, we hear, we can spiritualize it. Spiritualizing means that we look beyond the text and we can make it say something. When we go to, we go to Ephesians and Colossians and we go to the other epistles, we see that we need Christ, don't we? We need to walk in the gospel, worthy of the gospel. We need to walk in Christ. We need, to, we need the Holy Spirit in our life to lead us, to guide us, to give us wisdom, to comfort us when we struggle. Jesus, do you know Jesus prayed for us, for the Father to take care of us because he knew that we would struggle. That's why he created the body. The church is a body. When you came through the building, you were not complete. When you came to worship God, you were not complete. That's why it's coming to church and sitting and hearing a few songs and hearing a bad message and then walking out the door, that's not being a good Christian. Being a good Christian is having life together, supporting one another, helping one another grow into the image of Christ because we can't do it apart. We will fail because we're in warfare. We live behind enemy lines. We're not in heaven. We need the church body. God designed the creation so that all things work together. There is nothing that's solitary in creation. Plants need carbon dioxide. We need oxygen. Right? We breathe out carbon dioxide and plants breathe out oxygen. Pretty nifty plan that God had. Right? Plant more trees. <laughs> right? God designed creation to work together. A selfish person or a scared person because we know our sin. Satan loves this. Satan knows each and one of your sins. And he says, you're guilty. Don't you dare share that with somebody because you're guilty and then they'll know you're guilty. And they'll put you down and then you'll be alone. That's not what we read in any of these verses. A selfish person will be a lonely person 
And if you see a lonely person who is alone because they want to be, you can be pretty sure that they're a selfish person. We need each other. We need our, whatever you want to call it, Bible study groups, fellowship groups, home groups. We need to live life together. Church isn't designed to come on Sunday and then walk away and live life in the world. Church coming on Sunday is just simply to tell God how much He's worth. It's not about being religious. Going and doing Bible studies and helping each other build up one another. If somebody's struggling and needs something done at their house or if somebody's struggling and they're just hurt and they need compassion, they, we need the body. We need to live together. But we don't do that. One is not good. Two is better. Three is best. We need to be together. And there are blood ties that bring us together is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Be devoted to one another as blood relatives. That's what he's saying in Romans 12, 9 through 11. Hey, don't you know that you guys are blood related? Why aren't you taking care of each other? That's what we should be doing. God didn't design the church to be lonely. He designed for us to cure loneliness. The world works and toils and suffers in loneliness. But God sent His Son to die on the cross to pay for our sin, to be risen from the grave, to be sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, to conquer all sin, that we might restore fellowship with God together in community as His body, to be adopted into His family together. He created that for us so we would not be lonely. How connected are you together? If you're not, find, challenge you, find a group to get connected with. And if our group gets too big and you can't live life together, then we'll split it off and create more groups. Birth is okay. It's birth is a great thing. Right? And going home to be with the Lord is a great thing. Right? And we have that sometimes. Ministries come, ministries go, fellowship groups are birthed and fellowship groups go, and that's okay. It's, it's family. I, I miss our little Julia Joy and her little talking. They grow up and they become toddlers. We have a whole other, you know, and then they run and then we get to see the running and then we get to teach them how not to run. And then we, need, then we teach them how to do life together. But we need, and then they grow up, and they become parents in the body. And then they become, you know what the best part in church community is? Is grandparents. We need grandparents. Because some reason kids just don't want to listen to parents. Great grandparents, right? We need grandparents. Because they're so full of gentleness and love and compassion and joy. So then that way we can see more birth. We need people coming to the Lord and birthed into the church so that there are more ministries and groups being birthed. Partnership and community is important. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the sole reason we can have partnership and community. I, I pray for anyone who feels alone and I pray that you would encourage their hearts this morning. That you would comfort them with the comfort for which that you died on the cross for, to comfort us. Lord, I, I pray whoever is struggling that it may be watching at home or maybe here today, that Lord, someone in your body, in the church body and in the body of Christ, 
at large would come alongside and, and that they would comfort them and encourage them. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would just ignite a fire of, and comfort and bring peace through your word today. That you would help warm them with, by someone here at church. Lord, that you would maybe have taught some of us on that it's more it's important for us to come alongside and to be warm. That gentleness of just coming alongside, not necessarily doing anything, but just being there. That helps create that warmth in letting the Holy Spirit do the job of comforting in their life. May we seek to unite ourselves together more often, to partner together to walk together, to work together, to wage war together, to not let someone stand alone against hardship and against struggles, against Satan who would condemn and ridicule each other. Lord, may we we need your help. We need to be encouraged. I pray that whatever someone needs this morning, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would provide for their perfect need. Lord, of course, all of this has come through your gift of dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you so much, Jesus, for that. Thank you for suffering for us, taking on the wrath of God, paying for our sins, being that sacrifice, perfect sacrifice, complete sacrifice to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No matter what we've experienced, no matter what we've done, no matter what has happened to us, Lord, you can come in and purify us by the work that you've done. You have provided our faith to trust you, to be united with you, Lord, help us to share that with those around us. To love you so much, Lord. Help us to love you more. That we might love each other more with that perfect love which with you have loved us. That we see in 1 Corinthians 13. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the good news. That we, though we are not good, you became the perfect good for us to stand in our place. Lord, I pray if anyone here is still striving to be good, to have a relationship with you, that they would put all of their good aside and that they would claim you as their gift for their salvation in their life from their sin, that they would call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Lord, save them today, I pray. Save us from the temptation of being alone and going at, growing in our life with you alone. And that will call others to come around and grow together as the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.